Hi, everybody. Good Thursday morning. A stunning turn of events for Hunter Biden. Yeah, his plea deal now hanging in the balance. It is July 27th. This is today. Courtroom drama, that controversial agreement between the president's son and prosecutors falling apart during a contentious hearing. The judge refusing to accept the terms. Hunter Biden instead pleading not guilty to federal tax charges. So where does the case go from here? And how much of a distraction could it be for President Biden and his 2024 campaign? We will break it all down. Health concerns, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell freezing mid-sentence during a news conference. And a string of The senator briefly led away before saying he was fine. This morning, the mounting questions about his well-being and his future in Washington. Feeling the heat, nearly 140 million Americans, almost half the country, now blanketed by that brutal heat wave from California all the way to Maine. Parts of the East Coast bracing for highs not seen in years. Al's got everything we need to know. Look out below, an investigation underway after a frightening crane collapse near Times Square. Part of it slamming into another building before crashing on the ground. Big explosion, saw running. The search for answers and why officials say it could have been much worse. Those stories plus, remembering Sinead O'Connor, tributes pouring in for the talented and controversial music icon. We'll look back at her life and legacy. And Team USA rally, an epic showdown. The Americans storm back against rival the Netherlands, moving one step closer to advancing at the World Cup. Today, Thursday, July 27th, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Oda Cutby, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Well, good morning. Welcome to Today. So happy you're joining us on this Thursday morning. Team USA came back. They were down 1-0. Oh, at least we have a draw. Yes. I mean, if you stayed up late, then you saw the good stuff. We yeah. US, Team USA scoring. <laughs> it really actually fascinating turn of events. So we'll mm-hmm. get into it. Abby Wambach is going to join us a okay. little bit later to go Hold over the game. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, of course, we've been talking about this heat. It's been moving across the country. Well, in the Northeast, it's here. Check out Philly. This is a live look. It is expected to feel like 109 degrees today. Overnight, the country the country's biggest electrical grid operator issued an alert because of the increased use of air conditioners. Al's going to have his forecast for us in just a second. But let us start in Washington. That major about face that happened in the Hunter Biden case. His plea deal appeared to be a done deal, but then it fell apart in court. The judge raising questions about its terms, refusing to sign off. And this led to an hours long legal back and forth in open court. Eventually, the deal was no go. Hunter Biden pleaded not guilty. We'll see what happens now. Yeah, the questions that still remain, is that plea deal totally off the table? Will he face additional charges? And what does it mean for President Biden in 2024? We do have complete coverage for you. We're going to start off with NBC's Ryan Nobles. Ryan, good morning. Hoda, good morning to you. And as of this moment, Hunter Biden has pleaded not guilty to a series of tax charges. This, after that hearing designed to settle the plea arrangement with the government, went wildly off the rails, leading to a new round of legal problems for Hunter Biden and, by extension, more political problems for his father. 
Hunter Biden was hoping his legal problems were coming to an end, but a judge in a Delaware federal courtroom had other plans. Mary Ellen Norieka, a Trump-appointed federal judge, refused to accept the plea arrangement agreed to by federal prosecutors and Biden's lawyers, telling the lawyers, quote, I'm not in a position to accept or reject this plea agreement, so I'm going to defer it. It was a stunning turn of events. Both sides were expecting Biden to plead guilty on two misdemeanor tax charges and agree to a diversion program to avoid a separate gun charge. But the judge had issues with the parameters of the proposed deal. She also pressed prosecutors to reveal that their investigation into the president's son wasn't over, asking U.S. Attorney Leo Wise, is there an ongoing investigation? To which Wise responded, yes, there is. The two sides not on the same page for what the plea deal would mean for Biden's legal future. At one point, Biden's attorney walking up to the prosecution table, saying he thought everything had already been agreed to and then threatening to, quote, rip it up. Eventually, they agreed the deal would only absolve Hunter of legal issues between 2014 and 2019 and only on drug, tax and firearms charges related to the specific gun in question. Meaning Biden's business deals, which Republicans continue to probe, are still a possible avenue for future federal charges. There shouldn't be two justice systems in America. Under any circumstance, it means that Hunter Biden continues to be a political headache for his father. And Republicans are still leaving the door open to launch an impeachment inquiry. It doesn't impact my investigation because the Department of Justice and FBI haven't done a darn thing to help me. And it is a topic the White House refuses to engage on. The president, the first lady, they love their son and they support him as he continues to rebuild his life. This case was handled independently. And as of this moment, the judge has told the two sides that she was concerned that there were constitutional issues with that plea arrangement. She's given them 30 days to come up with a new plan that she can feel comfortable signing off on. Until then, this case is headed to trial. Savannah. All right, Ryan, thank you. Let's get more perspective on all of this from NBC's senior legal correspondent, Laura Jarrett, and our senior Washington correspondent, Hallie Jackson, on the politics. Do that in a minute, but let's start, Laura, with what happened in court yesterday. Yeah. This is quite unusual for two parties to have a plea agreement. They think they're going to go in there and the judge is going to sign off. And suddenly it's all up in the air and it becomes clear they don't agree on what they agreed to. Can you break it down for us? The problem was they were fundamentally not on the same page, which is remarkable given the stakes here, given all the scrutiny, given the fact that this was negotiated over a period of months heavily. And it was clear, as you and I have talked about, even last month when they first announced this deal, that they were not on the same page. The government was saying the investigation is ongoing. Hunter Biden's lawyers are saying this is all wrapped up. And it only took a moment for the judge to say, wait a minute, are you saying to the government that this means he cannot be prosecuted for any of his foreign dealings with foreign governments? And it was clear the government was saying no. And that's when Hunter Biden's lawyer said, then we don't have a deal. And how they were that far apart at that late date is Absolutely. It's a stunning. fundamental issue. Yes. Hunter Biden agrees to plead guilty. He thinks he's told by his lawyers, OK, and that wipes my slate clean. I plead guilty to this. I'm out of trouble. No more problems with the government. And you can and understand prosecution. why he wants that. Right. And But meanwhile, the prosecutors said 
no, we're still looking. We're still looking at these four in dealings. And the problem for him is that is much more serious than these two misdemeanor tax charges. And that's why he had hoped it would be wiped away. But at the end of the day, they walked out of that hearing with it not being wiped away. There's another more technical issue, which has to do with the judge is not sure whether the agreement as written, whether she has the authority to determine whether he holds up his end of the bargain on the gun charges. Again, this is where she starts getting into the constitutional issues. Do I have the power? Do I have that? Do I not have the power? Do you think that this plea arrangement can be salvaged? Does it seem like they could get together now, work it out, make a more concrete agreement and and keep the plea agreement going? Yes. And part of it is that they structured it in a way that the judge called creative and atypical. And so they could try to just sort of remove her from it, which is what she wanted. Typically, the judge isn't part of a pretrial diversion, which for folks at home, all that means is that the government has said, we're not going to prosecute you as long as you agree not to use drugs, not to try to buy a firearm. But if he breaks that agreement, they wanted the judge to be sort of a neutral arbiter. And you can understand why, again, Biden wants that in case the administration changes hands. He wants the judge to be sort of the referee here in case, of course, the DOJ changes. But the judge didn't want to do that. She didn't want to sign off him. But so now they're going to have to go back and try to redo this. Okay, we'll keep watching the legal matter unfold. The political matter continues to unfold on Capitol Hill, Hallie. And there's actually two investigations. One is into the plea deal itself, whether or not Hunter Biden got what some Republicans think was a sweetheart deal from the Department. Department of Justice. And then the other issue has to do with these foreign dealings and whether there's any there there against Hunter Biden and ultimately his father. And neither of those are going away, Savannah, right? What we've seen in light of this plea deal falling apart is some Republicans argue that, hey, this validates their concerns that Hunter Biden deserves more scrutiny. Now, the view from the other side, there are those in Biden world who, as one source put it to me just last night, um, think that Republicans were never going to let this go anyway, that this could have been essentially the most perfect plea deal and everything could have gone smoothly yesterday and be done with it. And Republicans would still be talking about it. The the bottom line is it is not going away. You have the lead prosecutor in this case already offering to testify publicly in front of members of Congress in the fall. That's David Weiss. And keep in mind on these allegations of politicization. That's what we heard from those IRS whistleblowers who came forward and testified in front of Congress. The attorney general has defended his department's actions, uh, pushed back on these allegations. That's a piece of this as well. The bottom line is this politically, Savannah. Um, after yesterday, I think there was a hope for from those close to the President Biden that this would at least be the start of the end of the discussion around Hunter Biden's legal issues. It is clearly not that. We're going to continue to be talking about this because it's going to continue to be news now for months. All right, Laura, thank you very much. Hallie, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Let's turn now to the growing concern for the health of Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell after he appeared to suffer a medical episode during a news conference. He froze mid-sentence for about 20 seconds. NBC senior Capitol Hill correspondent Garrett Cake has the very latest. Hey, Garrett, good morning. Hey, Hoda, good morning. It was certainly a frightening moment for lawmakers and for the reporters who witnessed it, and one that was serious enough that it even prompted a phone call from President Biden. But the good news this morning, the 81-year-old senator said he felt just fine as he headed home on Wednesday. Hours after freezing up during a news conference, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell reassuring reporters about his health as he left the Capitol late Wednesday. I'm fine. The Republican would not say whether he saw a doctor, instead joking about the moment, comparing it to President Biden's trip and fall last month. Well, the president called to check on me. I told him I got sandbagged. But just hours earlier, it was no laughing matter, as the senator's weekly update took a troubling turn. This week has been good bipartisan cooperation. 
and a string of That pause lasting for 19 seconds. The 81-year-old McConnell apparently suffering some sort of medical episode. Okay, Mitch. His colleagues clearly worried. Anything else you want to say? Or should we go back to your office? Senator John Barrasso of Wyoming, who is also a doctor, escorted McConnell away from the podium and to his office. But just minutes later, McConnell was back at the mic, shrugging off any concerns. You're, you're fine. You're fully able to yeah. do your job. It's the latest falling incident after a serious topple in March that left the top Senate Republican with a concussion and a fractured rib. That took six weeks of recovery. In 2019, McConnell had shoulder surgery after another fall. And this morning, NBC News learning McConnell tripped and fell just this month while disembarking a plane at Reagan National Airport, according to two sources familiar with the incident. And sources say the childhood polio survivor, who has always had some trouble navigating crowds and stairs, has been using a wheelchair as a precaution to help him navigate crowded airports. Now, Senator McConnell's office has been tight-lipped about what caused Wednesday's incident, saying only that the senator was feeling lightheaded and pointing out that he answered reporters' questions sharply after he returned. Hoda. All right, Garrett Hick, Forrest there at the Capitol. Uh, Garrett, thank you. What a scene here in New York. A portion of Midtown Manhattan remains closed this morning because a frightening accident happened, a fiery crane collapse. It was all caught on camera. Look at it right there. Nearly a dozen people were injured, and there were a lot of rattled nerves in Midtown. Officials say, though, this could have been a lot worse. NBC's Kathy Park is on the story. Kathy, good morning. Savannah, good morning to you. Residents here on the ground yesterday described hearing a loud blast followed by tremors. And that's when panic started to set in with very little warning. Mangled metal and 16 tons of concrete came crashing down from this 45-story building. And this is a live look at the structure from a different angle. And as you can see, the cleanup is still very much underway. This morning, investigators in New York City are trying to figure out what sparked a fire on a construction crane, leading to a slow-motion disaster more than 40 stories up. Witnesses capturing the sky-high drama, the metal boom snapping, followed by the crane striking a neighboring building as debris crashed to the ground below. Reporting a crane on I see the hopper coming down with full concrete, big explosion, saw running. I thought it was another terrorist attack or something. Eldridge Smith was on the 27th floor across the street when... And all of a sudden, I heard kaboom and my all of my windows in my apartment shook. In all, a dozen people injured, three firefighters and nine civilians. Fire officials say all of them are expected to recover. The frightening scene unfolding in one of the busiest corners of Midtown Manhattan, just blocks from Times Square. This could have been much worse. Authorities say the crane operator had been lifting a 16-ton load of concrete when he saw the flames and tried putting them out himself. When that didn't work, he had to leave. I told the guys that's a bad sign. If he can't extinguish it, he's the only one that could do it at that point. He wasn't able to, so the best thing he did was exit. 
And while rare crane collapses in Manhattan have taken a deadly turn in the past, in 2016, a pedestrian was killed when crews did not properly secure a crane when wind gusts reached close to 20 miles per hour. Meanwhile, here in Midtown, officials say that the fire likely weakened the cabling on the crane, which ultimately led to the collapse. But of course, all of this is still under investigation. Savannah? So scary. Kathy, thank you very much. 716, Craig joins the table, still talking heat. Oh, Hoda Savannah, good morning. Good morning to you as well. Yes, that extreme heat that we have been talking about for weeks now, it's had much of the country sweltering. It's made its way here to the Northeast and across the West Coast. Records continue to fall. We're going to get to Mr. Roker's forecast in just a moment. But first, NBC's Kristen Dahlgren joins us from an already hot Boston. Kristen, good morning to you. Hey there, Craig. Yeah, a lot of people out here getting in a run before things really heat up. Today is going to be no joke. A major East Coast power grid operator has already declared a level one emergency because of all the air conditioning use. Officials say calls to 911 go up 15 to 20 percent during a heat wave. So now is really the time to make your plan to stay cool today. A scorching summer sun cranking up the heat from coast to coast. Feels like 110 degrees this afternoon. Please take care of yourself. With more than 100 million people already under heat alerts this week. But now that major meltdown is spreading across the country. With records falling in Corpus Christi, Albuquerque and Phoenix, which just suffered through its 27th straight day of temperatures at or above 110 degrees. Notice this is covered and I'm in the shade. It's 120 degrees. Now the Mid-Atlantic and Northeast are feeling the heat, too, with Washington, D.C., New York, Philly, and Boston all under alerts. All while intense storms battered Michigan overnight. These beachgoers had to run for cover from torrential rain and high winds. And with just five days until the calendar flips to August... Forecasters predict Las Vegas could record its hottest July ever, while there's no break from the stifling heat in the heartland. Keep reminding everybody to stay hydrated. Organizers and farmers at the Bremer County Fair in Iowa using powerful fans and plenty of water to keep visitors and livestock safe. For anyone outdoors, extreme caution is key. You want to try and seek out the shade whenever possible, limit your sun exposure. Experts say as we overheat, blood rushes to our skin, making it crucial that we do whatever we can to keep it cool. If we can cool our skin down, even with things like damp rags, we can often mitigate some of the effects of the heat. So I've got my fan, my mister here. Boston is also going to have 64 splash pads open, as well as 15 cooling centers like this one here, so people can come in and get into the air conditioning, Craig. All right, Kristen Dahlgren taking no chances in Boston. Kristen, thank you. All right, let's get some big picture details on the forecast. Mr. Roker. Hey, guys, so from Boston to Burbank, we've got 143 million of us under heat advisories, watches, and warnings. And again, the the heat index is going to be the problem. New York City is going to feel like 102 today, 112 in St. Louis, 101 in Dallas, Minneapolis, 104 degrees tomorrow, no relief, New York, 101, Wichita, 103, Knoxville, 101. The good news is frontal system will come through and knock down those temperatures here in the Northeast by Sunday at 77 in Boston, 84 in New York City, 77 in Buffalo. However, our friends to the south, no relief in sight for Atlanta, New Orleans, Phoenix, Dodge City, Del Rio, Texas, Phoenix by Sunday. Their 30th day in a row of 110 million, uh, 110 
degrees in a row. And now we're looking at heavy rain flood watches for New England and severe weather today for 59 million people from Portland all the way down to Washington. And that's your latest weather, guys. Thanks, Al. Al, thank you. Still ahead inside that tough battle for Team USA at the World Cup, earning a hard-fought draw against one of its top rivals. We're going to have a full report from New Zealand. And look who is here, Abby Wamba, the legend herself, right here. Also had guys. Fans and fellow stars are paying tribute to Grammy winner Sinead O'Connor. We're going to look back at the singer's life and how she captured the world's attention with her gifted and provocative voice. But first, this is Today on NBC. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We'll begin our half hour with the Women's World Cup. That's right. Team USA in action overnight, earning a draw against the Netherlands. It was a closely fought battle. It was also a rematch of that 2019 World Cup final. A lot of emotions there. We're going to talk about the game with a legend of the U.S. Women's National Team, Abby Wambach. She is now the host of the We Can Do Hard Things podcast. Abby, we're so happy to see you. Okay. It was a bit of the nail biter for the first half. We're a little bit nervous. The U.S. was behind. Came back and tied it up. When you looked at overall how the U.S. played, how do you assess it? Well, I mean, in every statistic, they outperformed the Netherlands. But yeah. the problem is, is we like to see our women's team dominate. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yes. And we don't feel comfortable unless we are up by two or three goals. Yeah. And that's just not going to be the way of the future because yeah. other teams are getting better. The other federations are putting so much more money in their programs. Mm. Um, and credit to Netherlands. They, they played an amazing first half. And yeah. every single team has to figure out how to define themselves yeah. in every world championship. In every team I played on that was successful, there was there was a momentum that had to build, right? And so it doesn't just show up on game one and last. You want to be playing seven games to find yourself into that final, right? And that's a lot of games. Well, can you break down how it all went down in the second half? Yeah. I know you had a, a, a tweet <laughs> yes. that, that was heard around the world. <laughs> yes. and it's, uh, so tell us what happened. Yeah, so uh, about the 60th minute, Lindsey Horan gets into what I would call a pretty dangerous tackle. Uh, Van de Donk comes in, Ooh. takes her out. Uh. I think that that's a foul. I think that's a yellow card. She comes at her knees. It's not, not good. Lindsay gets a little bit upset, rightfully so, right? And so this leads to Lindsay coming on a few minutes later from her little injury timeout. Uh-huh. We get awarded a corner kick and Rose Lavelle puts the ball in. Who scores the goal? Lindsay Horan okay. on a corner kick header, which, of course, is my my claim to fame. 
Uh, and I was going nuts in my hotel room last night. I was like, for sure the security is coming to my room. Do you think that there's something about what had just happened to her that yes. is directly related to 100%. like, and now I'm going to put this ball yeah. in and show you who's boss? 100%. All of us know what it's like to be bullied on, on the playground and <laughs> yeah. school and, you know, take that yeah. high road. Like Lindsay took the high road and so infrequently do we get rewarded yes. right away. Lord. I cannot wait to get Lindsay Horan on my podcast <laughs> <when she laughs> goes back to the States to talk about what she said to Vanadon. Uh-huh. Let's look ahead. Next Tuesday, we got Portugal. Oh my what, what do we need to see from Team USA to not just beat Portugal, but not to get into all the math, but we've got to probably beat them by a decent margin to get a good seed in the next round. Yeah. You know, I think that every team has to find itself throughout these tournaments. And this moment with Haran last night was a way that we could see, oh, there they are, right? This team is defining itself. And Portugal is another game that they get to re and try to keep defining who they are. We need to win that game full stop. But now we're in an, an interesting situation against the Netherlands that we have to have more goals against because right now we're sitting at uh, tied in points with the Netherlands. Whoever tied goes out, one. correct. Whoever goes out first in our group will be playing uh, the second place team out of Group G. Mm-hmm. If you come out second, then you're playing the first place team uh, out of Group G. So right. you do want to come out first, first in your group. Abby, could we just get your text because when you try to explain the like the group <laughs> and the this and the goals, I'm like, yes. you know what? I'll just text you. Well, you yes. just tell me is this good or bad? Abby, thank you. Thanks for being thank with you. us. We appreciate thank it. You. And of course, Abby, you can catch the Women's World Cup on Telemundo and on Peacock. Uh, it's gonna be good. Thank you, Abby. Still ahead, a potential game changer in the treatment of postpartum depression. What all women need to know about a new drug that is showing a lot of promise for moms. First, though, Joe Fryer is here in the studio as tributes pour in for music icon Sinead O'Connor. Yeah, singers and actors are remembering Sinead O'Connor, not just because of her incredible talent, but because she would fearlessly speak out about controversial issues, even if it wasn't always good for her career. We're going to take a look back at that career coming up. Alpha One Niner, commence Wi-Fi device checklist. Laptops, on. TVs, streaming. Game console, consoling. Smart thermostat, set for cuddle time. Doorbell camera, whoa, my package is here. Fast, reliable, able to power tons of devices inside your home at once. All systems go, you are clear for takeoff. This is Xfinity Internet, Wi-Fi built to wow. And watch the short film, The Aviators. Now playing at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply, actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Join Hoda Kotb for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.
We are back. 741, remembering a music icon, Sinead O'Connor. Well, her powerful voice was unmistakable. People remember her rebellious oh, yeah. spirit. Mm-hmm. She died yesterday. She was only 56 years old. Mm-hmm. Morning News Now anchor Joe Fire is here with more on the Grammy winner's life and her really remarkable legacy, too. Yeah, good morning. Hey, so Sinead O'Connor's family put out a statement yesterday confirming her death. They did not say how she passed, only that they're devastated by her loss. O'Connor attained her greatest stardom in the 1990s with her beautiful and haunting rendition of the Prince song, Nothing Compares to You. She was also one who was never to shy away from controversy. This morning, she's being remembered as a fearless rebel with endless talent. It was a defining pop culture moment. The iconic tight shot of Sinead O'Connor's shaved head capturing her tears as her voice carefully carried such a fragile song. In 1990, her cover of the Prince song, Nothing Compares to You, made her a star. Just two years later, a single action left her career in tatters. While performing on Saturday Night Live, O'Connor ripped up a photo of then-Pope John Paul II. She was protesting sexual abuse in the Catholic Church a decade before the scandal was widely exposed. The backlash was fierce. Critics literally bulldozed her records. She was also booed while performing at a Bob Dylan tribute concert. Sinead O'Connor was never meant to be a pop star. In 2021, in one of her last known interviews with Carson here on Today, she said she had no regrets. It was a blessing because I had to make my living doing the thing I love doing, which is making music live. Though her career was never the same, she kept making music. In all, she recorded 10 albums with millions sold worldwide and a performance on the Today Show Plaza in 2000. Through it all, she was proudly a self-proclaimed troublemaker. When her record company asked for a conventional look, she shaved her head. When the Grammys awarded her with music's top prize, she skipped the show, saying it was too commercial. O'Connor also spoke candidly about her mental health struggles, some of which played out on social media. This is no way for people to be living in... In 2021, she released a memoir, Rememberings, opening up about the alleged abuse she suffered at the hands of her mother. I suffer from a condition called complex post-traumatic stress disorder, from things that I went through growing up. Just last year, her son Shane died by suicide. He was just 17 years old. On social media, O'Connor called him the love of my life, the lamp of my soul. This morning, Sinead O'Connor is being remembered by fans and friends. Actor Russell Crowe posted, What an amazing woman. Peace be with your courageous heart. Actress Jamie Lee Curtis says she once heard Sinead sing a cappella in an empty chapel in Ireland, calling it one of the most beautiful things I've heard in my life. She was a warrior. She was a rebel. In 2018, O'Connor converted to Islam and changed her name, although she still used the name Sinead O'Connor professionally. Carson posted a message saying, I was so sad to hear the news of Sinead O'Connor's passing. We formed a recent and unlikely friendship after my interview with her. She spoke passionately about life, music, and mental health. I pray she is resting in eternal peace with her beloved son, Shane. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. you. Mr. Roker, let's check in with you. All right. We're looking at storms and record highs in the northeast of New England. Heavy rain down through Florida. Some flooding possible. Very hot and humid throughout Texas and the central plains. Afternoon storms around the Great Lakes. Sunshine out west. And that's your latest weather, guys. Thank you, Al. Al, thank you. With the heat now on here in New York, we decided, you know what? Let's throw a summer block party right on our plaza. We're doing it. And we will show you how you can host one that's filled. 
cornhole. With music, food, fun, and cornhole. Love it, love it. Okay, but first, guys, on the boost, the 93-year-old proving you can do anything at any age. Coming up right after this. Jacob's here, just in time for the boost. All right, I got you, right. Jacob. Uh, hiking to the top of Half Dome at Yosemite National Park. No easy feat, even for someone who's in great physical shape. So imagine pulling it off while you're in your 90s, and that is exactly what 93-year-old Everett Kalin did last week. He got some help from his son, John, and his granddaughter, Sydney. He became the oldest person to summit one of the world's most famous rocks. And slowly but surely, we got uh, closer to the top. And, uh, you know, finally I saw the, where the cable was uh, locked into the rock, solid as possible. And uh, I thought, my gosh, we're here. And uh, that was just super. We were all emotional. We were all crying. Everyone was filming us, cheering. So it was a really special moment that I'll definitely remember forever. Wow, one yeah. step at a time. That climb, by the way, took 13 hours. Ooh. Everett says he stays in shape because he walks around the lake near his home every all single right. day. And he trained for the Half Dome hike by climbing up and down the stairs in his apartment building. <laughs> wow, oh, he's man. amazing. Wow. All right, guys, still ahead. We've got an amazing reunion. The story of... These young ladies, triplets, who became best friends after being separated at birth. Wow. We cannot wait to talk to them. 